Hey listeners, grab a box of Simple Rick's wafers and get some of that sweet mermaid puss, because today we're discussing Rick and Morty Season 3, Episode 7, The Ricklentis Mix-Up. Before we begin, I would just like to say that there may be spoilers for any episode up to and including this one. So if you don't know that Rick is secretly Godzilla, retroactive spoiler alert. And with that, let's get started. I'm Joe. I'm Brandon. And Toby is currently setting up his mic because he's a bad person. (laughs) We should start using our full names. I'm Joseph Lou Nemitz VII. (laughs) First and last names, dick. (laughs) Social security number is... Did you just say your middle name was Lude? Lou, L-E-W. Well, it's Lev, but it's the Americans pronounce it Lou. Well, they don't pronounce it anything. No one says my middle name ever. This is how you changed it to hide from the anti-Semites. Yeah. (laughs) Before we go into the discussion, we have actual people who reviewed us on iTunes, and it's awesome. And I just want to say, I really like the guy who said, it's not worth five stars, and then he gave us five stars anyway. It sort of reminds me of when you go to a restaurant and... The waiter doesn't give you great service, but then you're like, yeah, but he needs that money to live, so you give him a good tip anyway. (laughs) The self-confidence is so powerful. (laughs) We'll need to come up with a new bit other than nobody listens to the podcast because it'll get stale real quick. No, it won't because nobody listens to the podcast. I already gave that shout out. Thank you to both of you who left reviews. Oh, can I give another shout out? Shout out to Saul, my cousin listening in Australia. You're the best. What was your guys' joke of the episode? I don't know. There were only like three. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely the best joke of the episode was when Willy Wonka Rick was about to give disgruntled worker Rick his freedom. And then right at the last second, like, tranquilizes him and then sticks him in a machine that, like, makes him relive the moment of gaining his freedom. So so they can make cookies. That was incredible. It was, like, everything you want from Rick and Morty. Like, super interesting sci-fi and just so fucking existential. I figured we would all say Simple Rick's Wafers was the joke of the episode. Uh, not for me. No? That was amazing. But the joke joke of the episode for me was when one of them stand by me, Morty's, jumps into the pit to sacrifice himself, and it just turns out it's like the garbage chute. <laughs> I hope he's going somewhere nice. <laughs> I think my favorite joke was the Morty strip club thing. That was fucking creepy. A dance for $10, two for 25 No, bad math. <laughs> I just love the cop Morty's reaction. What is it that Rick's always say? Don't think about it. <laughs> All the movie references in it. Training Day, House of Cards, Stand By Me. I'm glad I haven't seen any movie ever, because I only got the House of Cards reference. In fact, I've been calling Patch Morty House of Cards Morty in my head. The assassination scene is basically straight out of House of Cards. It reminded me of... I don't remember where I've seen it before. Maybe it was that scene from Doctor Whom where uh, the Master takes over in, like, season three or four. Wait, did you just say Doctor Whom? Yeah, that's that's the title. <laughs> I'm the Doctor. Doctor Who, but really, grammatically, it's Doctor Whom, and therefore that's the title. I can't tell if you're a genius or an idiot. We see a lot of the Citadel's society in this episode. First of all, I found it really interesting. We have never seen up to this point what the Citadel is really like. I always assumed it was just a military complex, but it's a full-on society. We saw that you can get Morty insurance there, but that's pretty much all we saw in Close Encounters. Yeah, I assume they had like a broom closet where they kept the spare Mortys or something like that. All of the other times that we've seen the Citadel, it seemed everyone was relatively on the same playing field, but perhaps because they had to re 
rebuild it again, that they're reorganizing society, and with that come mistakes? Well, I think we've only ever seen the Citadel proper, the High Council place of the Citadel. That's where they brought C-137 the first time we see the Citadel, and that's where C-137 goes during the Season 3 premiere. But apparently there's a whole world outside that room that I never fathomed. We don't know if the older Citadel was like this. This is the new Citadel. It is, but I imagine if there are that many working-class Ricks and Mortys, there must have been an established society beforehand. I think the democracy thing is new because they mentioned that democracy was replacing the old council. Oh yeah, the democracy is brand new. They say that multiple times. But the job thing, you always need plumbers and janitors and, you know, if it's a society made up entirely of Ricks and Mortys, you're gonna have both Ricks and Mortys doing shit jobs unworthy of a Rick. Also, one thing that I found really interesting was in the first episode that we are introduced to the Citadel of Ricks, Rick gives this whole grandiose speech in front of the council talking about how every Rick who lives in the Citadel is less Rick than him because they're a bunch of sheep and the whole point of being a Rick is being a Rick. And at first, the overall point was a little bit obscured because we didn't have this window into the Citadel of Ricks, but now that we've seen how the Citadel has this occupying military force and none of these Ricks are allowed to leave and none of them have portal guns and that kind of stuff. It turns out that C-137 isn't just a hipster. He actually has a very good point about not living in the Citadel. But where did you see evidence for them not having portal guns? The fact that when they went into that meth head Rick and Morty's house for the arrest, the Rick freaked out and used his shitty improvised portal gun juice and was disintegrated. By the way, real quick... I'll lick anything that's not nailed down? What the fuck does that even mean? It's a meth head thing. I... I guess so? If there are any meth heads listening, could you please explain that to me? Yeah, shout out to our meth head listeners. <laughs> I mean, that's your cousin, right, Toby? Yeah, meth is huge in Australia. <laughs> So, Toby, the point you brought up, we do have the factory Rick echoing the same point that C-137 makes when he mentions, They told us we were special because we were Ricks, but then they stripped us of everything that made us unique. Essentially, what you have in this society is too many smartest people in the universe, and sort of like if you're a sixth grader who's top of their class at math, so then the teacher's like, all right, let's move you up to Algebra 2. Now you're in the eighth grade, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm not the best student in the class anymore. You have a dick ton of Ricks concentrated in one area, so they're not unique anymore. They're not special, they're just... Well, this is what organized society does. That's genuinely something that I really liked about this episode. The fact that it's, in a sense, commentary on society and how you have all of these beings living in this citadel that are all genetic copies of each other, so they're not any smarter than one another, and yet they all advance to different points in society because of random external bullshit factors. Although, I saw a surprising amount of variety in the Ricks. Do you remember back in Season 1, Episode 10, when Morty gives the speech to the imprisoned Mortys, and it's like, I want to write crazy action novels. I'm more than just a hammer. And then he died. Poor hammer, Morty. Moment of silence. I'll just edit in a moment of silence. We don't have time to stop. So when Morty is addressing all of the imprisoned Mortys, all of them seem to have different dreams. So it would follow that the same would be true of Rick's, that any given Rick would want something different with their life. Our Rick gives the fewest amount of fucks and is the most Rick. But you still have plumber Ricks and hillbilly Ricks, farmer Ricks, all that kind of stuff. What's really interesting about the Citadel is that it seems like the Ricks in the Citadel are a little less smart than the C-137 Rick we've been following because the guy has to do a 
little terrorist plot to get his own portal gun. C-137, Rick, would just make the portal gun. It would be super easy. I imagine they have ways of detecting portal guns in the same way that when Cronenberg Jerry smashed Rick's portal gun back in the season three premiere, the Ricks knew immediately. It just seems that a lot of the problems that they have in society, wouldn't C-137, Rick, if he was working on an assembly line, wouldn't he just invent a robot to do his job and everyone else's job and then be that done was with a it? bit of a plot hole for me yeah like he invents a robot that passes the butter he definitely would not work on welding steel frames and shit like that just get robots to do it but then you got to then you have to build the robots to do it well you build a robot to build the robot to i don't fucking know Moving right along, going back to all of the Ricks are kind of the same thing, it reminded me a bit of the City of Rapture from the game Bioshock. I'm not going to spoil anything, all I'm going to say is briefly describe their society. It's just this place where everyone's going because they think they're going to go there and be the most successful businessman in the place, and this con man goes there and he's super successful because he says... They all forget that somebody has to scrub the toilets. And he goes on to say all he has to do to make people follow him is make them feel like they're kind of worth it. And that's what Eyepatch Morty does. He really just told them what they wanted to hear. I don't think he has any intention of following through. I don't believe he wants to fix the society. I believe he wants to destroy it. Or his name isn't Evil Morty. It's not. It's Eyepatch Morty. I guess his name is just Morty, really. I have a completely unsubstantiated wild fan theory about this. Remember in one of the episodes in one of the earlier seasons, Rick makes a comment to Morty. He said something like, the cocky Morty can be a very bad thing. And then Morty's like, what does that mean? He said, I'll tell you when you're older. And we know the current Morty is not Rick's original Morty. So there's a possibility that this evil Morty was C-137 Rick's original Morty and that this Morty is trying to take revenge on him. That is actually a fairly common fan theory that Eyepatch Morty is Rick's original Morty. Whether we'll ever find out, I don't know. But in this case, it does not seem to me like Eyepatch is trying to get at Rick C-137. We can discuss what we think his plans are later, but it seems like if anything, he would just be helping C-137 because he's going to weaken the Citadel's society. Or he's recruiting the Citadel to be his army to then fight against C-137. That's what I was trying to say. But I completely subscribe to the fan theory that this is Rick's original Morty. I mostly subscribe, but slightly less than you guys, so that way if it turns out not to be true, I can be like, ha, I was right. One thing I wanted to discuss is I saw a common theme amongst the stories of a power disparity. We see Factory Rick, who is said to have the same IQ as his boss, but he only makes a fraction of what his boss makes. And he has worked for the company for, I think he said 15 years, but he doesn't get the promotion. We just sort of see a powerful entity stomping on a powerless individual. We see with the cops, Officer Morty abuses his power over, let's just call them the Rickless Mortys because I think they're all Rickless and that's why they've turned to crime. We see Officer Morty abuse his power over the Rickless Mortys and Officer Rick is trying to use this power as responsibly as he can. President Morty, obviously that's where the theme is the strongest because he's running on the platform of, I don't see the difference between Ricks and Mortys, I just see the difference between those who want the Citadel together and those who don't. And he's trying to make it out like, I want everyone to be equal. And it's... It's a nice idea. It's a nice idea, it's just, he used a very politician trick, which is, he said, we should all be equal. He never said how he's gonna do it. Nobody's gonna be like, no, I think we should all be unequal. Nobody's gonna say that. So all you have to say is, I want this broad 
odd goal to happen. People are like, yeah, I can get on board with that. You don't say how you're going to do it. He doesn't mention that the way he's going to do it is through a lot of murder and presumably some horrid shit that we have yet to see. Remember Animal Farm. All animals are created equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Spoiler alert, it sucked. <laughs> fuck you and fuck Sterling Archer. It's great. The last, um, I've called them the Breakfast Club Mortys, but there's definitely a better name for them. Stand by me, Mortys. The Stand by me, Mortys, in school, they are literally taught to be yes Mortys. They're taught to say, Rick, everything you do is great. They're trained like dogs, and they're repeatedly told that they will never be as good as Rick's. Isn't that how school felt to you? Yeah, pretty much, but that's a discussion for another day. But Slick Morty goes so far as to not even believe his life has enough value. Can I say what I was going to say, by yes. the way? Or... Sorry, I wanted to finish up my list of themes. Now you can say what you were going to say. Time's up. Thanks, Daddy. So one thing that I found kind of interesting was the moral ambiguity of Eyepatch Morty or Evil Morty, whatever we're calling him. Because the end is very sinister where they put up some pseudo-Nazi banners and all the aristocrat Ricks get thrown into the airlock. But at the same time, Willy Wonka Rick was a fucking piece of shit. I felt myself very conflicted during that scene where I'm like, on the one hand, Evil Morty is taking over and that can't be good. But on the other hand, the established order of the Citadel is being overthrown and it was pretty awful for a lot of the residents. Here's the thing. Evil Morty did not kill those people because they were pieces of shit. He said, raise your hand if you oppose me, and all those who opposed them were shot. The ones who he didn't shoot, Steve Jobs, Rick, and the other guy, might also be pieces of shit, but they didn't get shot because they didn't say, we'll oppose you. I'm not questioning his motives, I'm just saying, is the overall effect of this good for the people in the Citadel? Probably overall very negative. It's possibly right now, at this exact moment, good for the people. Like, if Evil Morty were to suddenly die have a heart attack right now, then the net effect would probably be positive. But no, it's not going to be good for society because he now has nobody who's going to oppose him. And he is now a dictator. Emphasis on the dick. You beat me to the dick, Joseph. As I always do. Ladies and gentlemen, he puts the dick in dictator. Please give a warm welcome to Kim Jong-un. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think it's going to be in any way, shape, or form a net positive for anyone in the Citadel except for Evil Morty. I agree. I was kind of just thinking out loud. Next up, I want to go through each of the people's stories. Who should we start with? I guess we go from least mileage to most mileage, so Stranger Things Mortys, what are we calling them? Sentimental? Stand By Me Stand Mortys. By Me, thank you. Inspired by the classic novel by Stephen King, Stand By Me. Oh, it's not the song? Okay. So, as I said before, Mortys are being taught to behave as servants. They essentially don't have a choice. They're slaves because their choice is either follow a Rick into the insanely dangerous scenarios that he'll make them go, or live in squalor and inhumane conditions with the rest of the Rickless Mortys on 5th and Burp. Yeah, life of a Morty is not a great life. <laughs> so do you think that Slick, he's a nihilistic Nancy. He's like, the portal's not gonna do anything, and no matter what wish we make, Morty wishes never come true on the Citadel. And he's lost five Ricks, so that probably contributes to his extremely nihilistic outlook. Do you think his wish had any effect? No. He jumped into a garbage chute. <laughs> <laughs> I am a screenwriter. Do you know how many dreams I've thrown down a trash chute that have never come true? 
Was the Morty that jumped into the garbage portal, was he the drama Morty? Yes. <laughs> I loved that joke. I'm part of a series of genetically engineered drama Mortys. I just get incredibly deep about a lot of things and occasionally bore people. I make people sad and bored. <laughs> that was also a really good joke. There was not much in the way of comedy for this episode, but I think this is my favorite episode so far. That would have made more sense to say at the beginning. The original title was Tales from the Citadel. They have since changed it to something, something Rick Lantis. The Rick Landis mix-up. Yes. I think that was to mislead people. But when I heard the title Tales from the Citadel, I was expecting a Futurama-esque what-if machine Simpsons Treehouse of Horror kind of episode. But what we got were sort of slice-of-life, semi-interconnected tales. Would you say they were unbelievable tales? They were indeed unbelievable tales. If you don't know why we keep saying unbelievable tales, don't Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, honestly, for your own mental health, don't do it. If we've spiked curiosity within you, ignore it. Crush it. So I imagine that neither of you guys feel the same way as me that it's the best episode of the season. Am I correct? It was good. It was weird on the scale of like Rick and Morty episodes, but it was good. Yeah, I don't know if I would go so far to say best episode of the season, but I definitely appreciate the unconventional storytelling. I think it was an experiment that worked out. Yeah, I I thought it was a good episode, definitely, and I, I definitely want to rewatch it. I feel like this episode in particular will have a lot of Easter eggs. The first time I watched it, I didn't even notice the photos at the the end. I knew it was Patch Morty because they played the same music, but I totally missed the photos. What I think photos? all three of us did. So did you just suspect that a charismatic politician would end up being Hitler? Yes! Obviously. Dude, you can tell the guy is slimy. He's too confident. When he had them all assembled in the room, I knew that none of those Ricks were making it out alive. Well, you were wrong. Some of them did. Yeah. I kind of wish Willy Wonka Rick had survived just because I love the concept of that. Just a Rick who's even more of a crazy eccentric asshole? Willy Wonka is crazy in a whimsical way. Well, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka. Rickly Wonka is just a bad person. No, he's not. He provides the wonderful taste of those wafers to everyone. (laughs) Enjoy the taste of your own impossible happiness. (laughs) Now we're gonna sell you the taste of freedom, which none of you will ever experience except with our cookies. That's sort of what Doritos are, I think. No, not Doritos. Never Doritos. Doritos (laughs) are not the taste of freedom. They are American freedom. What, so the exact opposite of freedom? How dare you. I think this wafer cookie thing is a good transition into... Factory Rick. First of all, the wafer cookie thing is a fantastic fucking joke. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yes. So Rick and Morty. In regards to Factory Rick, let the one of us who hasn't wanted to shoot our own boss with a nail gun cast the first stone. (laughs) (laughs) I love the concept of they took the one Rick who was happy, put him in a chair, and just had him relive that moment so they could make wafer cookies. The interesting part about that is it's not exactly inhumane for that Rick because he gets to live in bliss for the rest of his life, reliving the same magical moment, which is wonderful, but also it's so fucking existentialist and so dark in such a specifically Rick and Morty way. I love it. It is. And I love the end of that story arc where Willy Wonka sets Factory Rick free and then shoots him and he sells the new wafers as Taste of Freedom cookies. Ah, God, what a fucking funny joke. Available this 4th of July. We can't give you real freedom, but here's some cookies. I want cookies in a 90-minute cut of Avatar. So, they refer to Simple Rick, who is the Rick with Beth, as 60 iterations off the central finite curve. 
The fuck does this mean? I tried googling it, and I only found more references to Rick and Morty. So, I imagine finite refers to the fact that there are a finite number of Ricks. Maybe that refers to the fact that there are an infinite number of Ricks, but not all Ricks are specifically like Rick, if that makes sense. Like, this guy was obviously very into his family, which a typical Rick would not be. So maybe the central finite curve refers to all the Ricks who are damaged and Rick-like. It's the average of all ricks. You say average, which is interesting, because I was thinking a bell curve. I don't know what makes it central. I know what makes it finite. I don't know what makes it central, and I don't know why it's 60 iterations. I mean, I think it's just a number that they chose for the line. <laughs> no, no, I'm not asking about the fucking number, genius. I am asking, an iteration, <laughs> I assume, is any given Rick. Each Rick is an iteration of Rick. But I don't know what it means by off of the curve. 60 iterations off. What, is he in the 40th percentile of Ricks? Is he not on the curve at all? Based on my interpretation, it sounds like he would not be on the curve at all. Like, he would be... 40 iterations of Rick, each iteration becoming slightly different than the Rick we know, until you get to this Rick who actually cares about his daughter. I imagine if there was more than one Rick who stayed with Beth, they would have taken that Rick and used him as a second one. I think I have an explanation for you on what the central finite curve is. Is this gonna be a dick joke? No. It was referred to in Close Encounters of the Rick Kind, also by one of the council members. And this is courtesy of Reddit from Horse Kicker. The curve in central finite curve refers to the Gaussian function, which is essential in calculating the diffusion of Ricks in the universe. It is only central in the sense that it is central to the perspective of Ricks that exist. It could also be a dick joke. Thank you, horse kicker. Toby, what the fuck is a Gaussian function? Because I don't think Brandon or I would know. Fuck you. Also, I don't. <laughs> it's just a type of statistical distribution. It's essentially a bell curve. I have to wonder, there are a lot of Ricks who are willing to live like Factory Rick. Are some Ricks just not cut out for adventure? Are all of these Ricks just like, I would rather settle down in the society full of me's? It sort of appears like not all of them wanted to be there. But if they didn't want to be there, they could have just left, couldn't they? Well, no, that was the whole story with the uh, portal gun juice. I can imagine the Mortys wanting to make portal gun juice because they would want to leave or sell it, but I figure that most Ricks are allowed to leave. No, they're not. Why would a Rick willingly go into this society to be like, I will stay in this prison forever? I don't know how many of them really chose to be there. I don't see them kidnapping Ricks. I think it's just the life they've come to know. Alright, Rick Cop, Morty Cop. Also known as Training Day. Yes. We see a Rick who's actually a straight cop. We see a Rick who seems to care about the people he's supposed to protect, and a Morty who's on this power trip who is clearly only out for himself, who actively hates Mortys. I imagine he grew up in very much the same conditions as the other Mortys, but he doesn't care for their plight. He just acts as a mob boss's heavy. One thing I noticed is that Morty uses the term sidekick like a derogatory term, which makes sense to me because in the context of Ricks and Mortys, calling Morty a sidekick is dehumanizing him. And Officer Morty refers to those people as sidekicks. He's just like, yeah, fuck these guys. Without a Rick for them to be a sidekick to, they just start kicking. And less than a minute later, a different Morty calls Officer Morty a sidekick and he almost kills him. I'm just gonna say it. Most of that plotline was race inspired. Yeah, I was just thinking that. 
It's all like race commentary. It definitely did have connotations of racism in there. It was not a, we're showing both sides of the issue thing. It was very much, these are people who are tossed in the gutter, and this is a cop who is hired to keep these Mortys down. Oh, wait, I had a comedy question. No, I don't want comedy. Well, you've been doing an excellent job of ensuring that so far. <laughs> As did Brandon. That in no way absolves you. <laughs> Thanks for the defense, buddy. Now we're both accountable. A policeman shows up to your house. You're under arrest for murder. Hey, but my neighbor murdered someone. Who cares? You're also a murderer. No, we're complicit. We're ruining the podcast together. What other tastes of wafers do they have? <laughs> There's definitely a wafer that's just a Rick fucking with Jerry relentlessly and reliving that moment. <laughs> Maybe just like the feel- No, wait, because the feeling of being drunk isn't really a happy one. Especially if you're an alcoholic. It's just- like, that's just life for you. <laughs> the home state. Yeah. There's probably wafers of all of the badass- pseudo-terrorist acts he's committed. Massive throbbing erection wafers. For some reason, I thought you were gonna say massive throbbing erection, Morty. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm more than just a massive throbbing erection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got an idea. Rick somehow comes up with the ability to disprove God, and it's his feeling of victory in that moment, wafer. Since there was a devil in the show, he might meet a dude who's God and disprove the existence of God to God. Oh, and have God collapse on the ground, just like, no, but I'm real. <laughs> and he disappears in a puff of logic. <laughs> I thought the devil, actually, I don't know what the status of the devil is. He's MIA. Do you have any sympathy for him? No. Wait, never mind. You're not going to get the reference. You don't listen to music. Oh, it's a song. Yes, it's called Sympathy for the Devil. It's by the Rolling Stones. It's a classic song, but you wouldn't know that. Rolling Stones, isn't that that magazine? Uh... Uh... <laughs> uh... You unwashed taste. Are you really into that singer's work? <laughs> sure, totally. It's a singing magazine, right? Yes. Yes, like in Harry Potter. I know roughly what the Rolling Stones is. It's just, you could play any song for me and I couldn't tell you which one they wrote. Do you think this episode was really tiring for Justin Roiland to record? It was almost entirely made up of him. I think it was entirely made up of him. There's the advertiser's voice, and there's a brief line that child Beth has. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, besides that, it was all him. As for our next question, what dimension does the trash go to? Jerry's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, where else is, uh... Detroit. This podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brain was... My brain was spinning its wheels, but yes, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I was gonna say into your comedy bits. Those aren't bits. I say those specifically to make you angry. <laughs> Dude, it's your podcast. That's a fuck you and mostly me. It is, but fuck you. And mostly you. <laughs> House of Cards, Morty. Let's move on to Eyepatch. Do you think Eyepatch won fair and square, or do you think he contacted the rush? I mean, did he use some sort of trick? <laughs> Good question. I'm actually not Hang sure. Hang on. I have to interrupt because I just got a notification on Instagram that is literally a photo of a Pickle Rick condom, and the caption just says, way up inside your butthole, Morty. Ha! <laughs> 
Okay, that's <laughs> that pretty, is all. That's pretty funny. That was a worthy interruption. You're welcome. Nerds with vaginas posted it, so thank you, nerds with vaginas. So, do you think that I patch one fair and square? Doesn't matter. He sees power. I mean, does it matter overall? No, but we're doing analysis, so... And I'm sure he did. He was the only one whose debate answer wasn't literally farting. Hey, uh, General Rick said more lasers. Yeah, I mean, my guess is that all the Mortys in the Citadel voted for him. Actually, would Mortys even be allowed to vote? I wondered that too. I imagine it's some three-fifths compromise kind of shit. I don't think Eyepatch necessarily used a trick. He used the same trick as a good politician would, which is, and I spoke about this a bit earlier, talk about problems and say you'll solve them. Don't offer solutions because then people can disagree with you. Just say, I'll fix world hunger. All right, great. I can get behind that. Don't say, I'm going to steal your food and put it in. Like, you don't say whatever plan is or you don't reveal that you don't actually have a plan. Just say you're going to do it and people will vote for you. By the way, I like that one of the people running was Rick Guilt Rick. It's hard to say. Oh, there was also Juggling Rick, which I thought was kind of funny. Oh, yeah, there was uh, the Rick that was based on the head of the Rent is Too Damn High party. <laughs> I didn't even notice that, but that's so true. Oh, it was so funny. I think now we get to the main question I wanted to talk about, which is, what do you think Ipatch Morty is planning? All we have right now are the effects of what he did. So pretty much what we can do is look at what he did and go, these events seem to be leading towards this. I think he wants to dominate all the Ricks and all the Mortys and then take out C-137. Like sexually? Just because he takes them out doesn't mean it's sexual. You don't have to put out on the first date, Joseph. Have some self-respect. Now you said dominate. <laughs> well, I didn't know what you were asking sexually about. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> References to things that don't exist yet. So here's what I got so far. Actually, a quick question first. Back in Season 1, Episode 10, did Eyepatch Morty's plan succeed or fail? Depends what the ultimate goal was. That's why I'm asking, do you think it succeeded or failed? Because it seemed like he wanted to lure C-137 there so he could download the contents of his brain, but also killing all those Ricks and kidnapping all those Mortys, there was a huge influx of orphan Mortys into the Citadel, and if his plan is to create an army of discontented citizens, particularly Mortys, that would swell his numbers. I think he achieved exactly what he wanted. I think it was his secondary plan, but he achieved what he wanted. Maybe kidnapping all of those Mortys was in part to... Obviously, one part of it was so he could hide from the Council of Ricks, but another part might have been to figure out which Morty is going to be the one to revolt. That one's the one true Morty, and that's the one who's threatening to me. I mean, I don't think he put that much thought into it. I think he had a plan to try to succeed. It didn't work out. So now he's got another plan going. And the other plan is also for world domination. I think this one might still be the same plan. I have kind of a crackpot theory that Eyepatch might have had a hand in Rick's destruction of the Citadel. It sounds insane, but he could have planted the idea to the Galactic Federation, this is an idea on how to catch Rick. They send Tammy to Earth, who befriends Summer, ends up at the wedding, and Eyepatch Morty would know that if C-137 is captured by the Galactic Federation, he will escape and destroy both the Federation and the Citadel. I'm sure he doesn't give a fuck about the Federation, but destroying the Citadel would then allow him to rebuild it in his image. Now that the whole thing's broken, he can step up and say, I know how to fix it, and that's essentially what he did in this episode. It's a crackpot theory, I know. Toby, thoughts? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if I have any thoughts, to be perfectly honest. Do you want cookies and or a 90-minute cut of Avatar? I don't want the petroleum <laughs> flakes. Well, then you shouldn't be such a dumb piece of shit. <laughs> 
And that wasn't me saying the line, that was me talking to you, Toby Byrne. Okay. Well then. Here's the effects we see from Morty's takeover. Obviously, he kills off the rich people who were running the Citadel. He changed the R symbol to an M, so it's now Morty's in charge. He has demonstrated to the population that a Morty can beat a Rick, which might influence a whole bunch of Mortys to try and beat a Rick. Which they won't be able to do because they're not Eyepatch Morty. Not necessarily. Eh, maybe. Who knows? A flock of Mortys took out one Rick. A group of Mortys is called a gaggle, actually. Oh, okay. A gaggle of Mortys took out a single Rick. I'm picturing a bunch of Mortys coming up to me at a pond and asking me to feed them breadcrumbs. Some interesting things he did were he changed the curriculum for Morty schools. Now, the Mortys to be adopted are not going to be adopted by Ricks, and the teachers who are teaching Mortys how to act properly, quote-unquote, at least Severus Snape Rick has been fired. So, what is the new curriculum going to be? Is he going to North Korea it? <laughs> Second shout-out to Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Rick Jong-un is now the name of this podcast. Nope. <laughs> So, he's changed up the curriculum. I imagine he will be teaching Mortys to be more like him. I don't think so. If he did that, he might have more Mortys that might challenge his leadership. Once you're in power and you're a dictator, you don't want to enlighten the people. It's less enlightening and more teaching them to fight back. I don't know if he cares. But he doesn't want them fighting back. He wants them fighting for him. He orchestrated the capture of thousands of Mortys. He has no empathy for other Mortys. He won't care. This isn't necessarily to save the Mortys. This could very easily be he can raise an army of Mortys because Mortys are the lower class in this society and that makes them the yes, easiest Yes, but he targets. doesn't want them thinking for themselves. He wouldn't be teaching them to, he'd be teaching them to be more assertive and to fight. I agree with Toby that this Morty has kidnapped multiple Mortys and framed Rick for it so that he could lure Rick to C-137 so that he could download Rick's brain. I think he would have no trouble sacrificing every single Morty in the Citadel to achieve his own purpose, so I don't think he's really going to try to enlighten the Mortys. I'm not saying he's trying to enlighten the Mortys! You said assertive. You that means mother willpower. Cunt. You said okay, assertive. Okay, fine. Let's assertive change the word. Willpower. Let's change the word. It's aggressive now. I'm aggressive. <laughs> Joseph, I don't understand why you think he's going to try to make all the Mortys enlightened. I think the change curriculum might mean teaching the Rickless Mortys how to be more aggressive, more soldier-like, indoctrinate them not with how to behave towards a Rick, but how they're oppressed and they need to take back their lives from Rick. Because if he wants to take down the Citadel, he has to divide it between Ricks and Mortys. He lets the Mortys and Ricks kill each other off. Well, presumably the Ricks will do most of the killing, but still, he's left with a much smaller group to take care of. I don't think he cares about Ricks or Mortys. I think he wants to be all-powerful. He'd kill all of them if it meant that he could take out C-137. And I think now he's just united the entire group together against C-137 and has his army. I mean, one thing I saw at the very end, it was a very brief shot of the uh, Stand By Me Mortys. Remember they tried to steal the mega fruits from that Rick farmer and he's like, I didn't build up this character just so you could steal from me. <laughs> oh yeah. At the end, we see them picking those fruits while Farmer Rick is clearly angry and the cops were stopping the farmer from intervening. So I wonder, is Morty giving other Morty's rights over Rick's? But at the same time, he also releases a Rick who has murdered a Morty. The way I see it is, if your goal is to create tension, then you would loosen regulations around the authorities, release the bad cops, make them more threatening, 
and then you can turn to the Mortys and go, see, look at how bad these fucking people are. If you don't fight now, you're gonna get fucked. Eh, maybe. I mean, I think it's possible this is part of his plan, I guess. Next week's episode might be another interdimensional cable episode, because it's episode 8. Not sure. It's going to be the same format as interdimensional cable, but it's not going to be interdimensional cable. They literally said in the promo, you know, it's like interdimensional cable, but not. Oh, I'm, I actually totally missed the promo. I need to check that out. All right, cool. We done? Anything else we got to do? I was trying to end it on somebody saying something funny, but... Thank you for listening. This has been the Daily Squanch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast, presented to you by Pancake Pug. If you have questions or theories you'd like to share, if you have suggestions on how to improve the podcast, or if you'd like to kill us all, um... (laughs) Please put that in. (laughs) You can find us on YouTube or Twitter at Pancake Pug, or on our website, PancakePugProductions.com. Or if you'd like to kill us all. (laughs) Joseph, I'm telling you, please put that in. Please.